So, Eric, we decided that we would give our good friends Dunk and Egg a little bit of a break. That's not really the truth. What what ends up happening here is we get closer to season four premiering on HBO. News happens, and there's really not much that we can do about it. We can talk about it. We need to exercise all this recent Game of Thrones news out of our system. It's blocking the path. The path is blocked. And uh, it's it's all very important, very relevant, very exciting stuff. So waiting on it uh, would be a mistake. You know, I'm I'm looking at some of these uh, episode titles that have been released, and the, the premiere is called Two Swords. And I'm thinking there's a lot you can do with just two swords if they're in the right hands. And I feel like that's really an allegory for you and me on this Monday episode. Sadly, we are Zachless, but... Together, you and I, we're two swords. I'm not entirely sure what to make of that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. We finally have two. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> are are you saying that you don't think that we can make a difference in the empire with just us and our swords? Well, do we both get two swords, or is it just no? No, no we one... each only get one. It's the yes. The rules are very clear. Oh, um, okay. We, we each there's one sword for each. Of okay. Us. Well, we'll see what we can do here uh, on this. Uh, Monday episode, as you pointed out, with just two swords, one for each of us. We're 35 days, 4 hours, 59 minutes, and 17 seconds, 16, 15, away from the premiere (laughs) of Game of Thrones on April 6th. And you know what's awkward? Not what? to interrupt too much, but I know you're like on one of those internet countdown web (laughs) countdown things, and um, I am too. But the one on 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 my uh, desktop screen is actually just an hour behind because we're in oh, different time gotcha. zones. So when you were reading it, I was like, "Yep, that's right." So and so days, thirty five days, uh, and then you said the hours, and I was like, "No, wait, that's that's wrong. Are we not premiering at the same time? It's the time yep, zones." Yep. So uh, you know, great countdown over on WinnersComing.net, which is where you know we're checking out all of this news that uh, broke actually. Today, this was posted this morning. The first four episode titles of season four were revealed uh, from HBO Latino. So I, it'd be interesting to see, were they released in English or were they released in Spanish? And how does the translation work? Uh, because perhaps that could have some bearing on the titles that were posted here in English. But I doubt that. Um, these look to be fairly accurate to a lot of the things that are taking place. Uh, in a, the second half of A Storm of Swords, which is what we know season four to be based on, yeah. Two Swords is the episode, the, the title of the episode premiere, followed by episode two, The Lion and the Rose. It's, it's still two things. I wonder if they're still talking about us, Micah. No, I, I don't think so. No, no. I, I mean, I would, I would be the lion because I was born in August. That makes me a Leo, uh, Ooh, which makes Leo. you the rose. So I don't know. What that I am says. wearing a red shirt right now. I don't know. If okay. All right. Any, yeah. You know, if we're if we're going into battle and I'm wearing the same. Sh- oh no, I can't be going into battle with a red shirt on. No, that's not good. That would be. Though it could be deceptive, uh, especially if it were televised. Yes. Okay. So so the lion and the rose. Who do we think that is, or should we just go through the rest of the episode titles? No, no. I think we should do a little bit of speculation. Well, you should do a little bit of speculation here. Oh, because I don't know. You are unsullied. The lion's gotta be the line of Lannister. This has to be either the wedding episode or something to do with the Tyrells and the Lannisters. Yep. Oh my gosh, I figured it out. <laughs> there that you wasn't go. that hard. There you go. Um, I'm sure a lot of other uh, unsullied 
uh, have figured it out as well. I would, I would take a bet that that is since it, we will get into this a little bit later, but that episode, the only episode this season to be written by George R.R. R. Martin. So, uh, oh. it is a very important one. And, um, as you Gosh. mentioned, the wedding episode, perhaps. He's got some balls and so do Benioff and Weiss. We know they're all men. Um, but for leading with a, with a wedding, you know, this season after ending with such a devastating wedding. Yeah, it's um I guess it wouldn't have been as spread out in the books, right? Because you're dealing with two weddings in a single book. Well, you do have page separation, yes, but uh you know, as we know, weddings tend to be not so happy occasions in the world of Westeros. So, uh bears a little bit of thought for what may come uh in that particular episode, a lot to be desired uh and you know, like you said, the Lannisters and the Tyrells, Joffrey and Marjorie, we know that they are to be wed. And um, it's from the previews that we've seen in the trailers looks to be quite the occasion. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm just saying they, they have the running time here associated with the, the titles. And it looks like, I mean, they all come in at just above 50 minutes, um, which I think is, is probably standard for these episodes. The wedding episode seems to be a little shorter than the rest. Um, so I hope nothing too terrible happens, uh, that they had to cram into the extra minute. But with George writing it, I'm sure that that'll be exciting. And really, like, I like weddings because you see, I mean, I like weddings on the show, um, because especially the Tyrion Sansa one, um, that we saw last season, just because everybody is, is dressed and there's a certain, um, regalia. There's a certain. Yeah. Well, you get to see. A lot of different characters as well. I mean, that that's one of the great things about the wedding scenes in Game of Thrones is that you get to see a lot of characters. You get to see people interacting that maybe wouldn't otherwise, and uh, it many times uh, presents for some interesting interaction. And then we uh, we move on from uh, the second episode to Breaker of Chains, and <laughs> we've seen Tyrion in chains uh, in. Uh, both the trailers, I believe. Uh, who knows uh, if that's a little tip of the hat towards him, or, or mm. does it refer to other characters uh, who might uh, be in chains, whether they be uh, literal or figurative? Oh, is this the Theon episode, do you think? <laughs> is he finally going to get out of those chains? And Poor Theon. Break free. Um, I was thinking, yeah, because I was trying to figure out who is in chains besides we saw Tyrion. If anybody happens to be imprisoned, uh, in particular at the end of the third season, uh, definitely due for a rewatch coming into next month. But uh, the Breaker of Chains, it sounds like it would be, you know, Tyrion figuring out maybe gold is the Breaker of Chains because he makes, you know, about. I, I'm thinking if Tyrion is in Chains, which we've seen, it would probably be because his family put him there. I mean, he's with his family. This isn't some, you know, he's at the Eyrie, a thousand leagues away from. Uh, Lannisport and he, uh, doesn't have any access to his family and so is imprisoned because they, they can't pull strings and get him out. Uh, if he's in chains this season, it's because his family wants him out of the way. Um, so I, I think though, you know, going back to Joffrey and Tyrion's heated, uh, exchange at Sansa's wedding to Tyrion, <laughs> you'll be fucking with a wooden cook, that line and, and, and such others. Joffrey and Tyrion do not get along. And I can understand um, if the Lannisters even preemptively 
get Tyrion away from the son or away from the uh, Marguerite and Joffrey wedding. The wedding is simply put too important um, to ignore and to have anybody who can be seen as not sympathetic to the Lannisters present. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of my guess is that they're going to try and keep him out of, out of the way f- from it all. I mean, isn't this the wedding that was agreed upon at the end of the, the Blackwater? Um, that that was the unity that they uh, have been looking forward to all of this time. So yeah, I I would probably lock Tyrion up too if I were <laughs> well if I, if I were Tywin. Yeah, no, it's um interesting point that you make, and and clearly we've seen Tyrion act out even at his own wedding uh, towards Joffrey, and the the relationship between the two of them again, as you pointed out, has not been very good throughout the course of the series even. So uh, you know, I don't know that they necessarily lock him up in chains just <laughs> to keep him away. Um, well, if Cersei I, I think, had her way. Well, yeah. no, most definitely. But I, I think something would have had to have happened in order for him to be put into chains in the first place. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's going to be um, definitely interesting uh, to follow this storyline. Uh, Tyrion has had a fall from grace, though, really since uh, Blackwater. And, you know, he has been shunned by his family. You know, you think back to the second season or even, you know, the second book, which we uh, completed not that long ago. And you recognize what he was able to accomplish during his time as the Hand of the King. And, you know, I've always been somebody vocally who said, you know, he saved King's Landing. Uh, You know, Tywin, yes, rode in at the last minute. Uh, and was able to help defeat Stannis, but really without everything that Tyrion put into place in that series of chapters, um, without it, uh, King's Landing would have easily fallen, uh, before Tywin, uh, was able to, 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 you know, save the day, quote unquote. Uh, but you, you look at how important I believe his family is to him, how important the city, uh, whether he liked it or not was to him. He had to make it important to him and the people important to him, even though they were, you know, going around calling him a, a, a demon monkey and all these other names. But at the end of the day, he's the reason why they're still alive. And the same holds true for Joffrey, uh, and Cersei, uh, in large part, uh, as well as the rest of the court that's there. Um, so. Tyrion, of course, will have done something. Uh, we don't know what that something is, but he has done something to put him in chains. And who knows? This chapter title could, or episode title, excuse me, could refer to him. Uh, it could refer to others. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a literal breaking of the chains. You know, these titles often have double meanings to them. Um, and so breaker of chains. Uh, there are other characters who have been in very difficult situations up until this point. And so, um, breaking free, um, you know, could refer to Danny. Um, you know, she has been a, a freer of slaves in, in past seasons. Oh, this could be, and, yeah. Uh, also, I thought, I thought a lot of Sansa. You know, we know that we've seen Sansa in the trailer in somewhat different, uh, of environments. And, you know, maybe perhaps she is now free of the Lannisters. Um, We'll have to wait and see. Food for thought. Food for thought. That's all yes, I'm saying. Yes, 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 yes. And then uh, the fourth and final episode title that we've gotten 
so far being that's actually the whole season. It's only four episodes this year. <laughs> Oathkeeper, one one word. Yes, Oathkeeper, the uh, the opposite of Oathbreaker. Uh, now, is one of those a sword? Yes, one of them is a sword. Because I'm thinking it's very swordsy. I, I think I, I could come up with a crackpot theory right now that all the episode titles are actually about these two swords. One of them is named the lion, the other is the rose. <laughs> one of them one of them breaks chains Chain and, the breaker. One, and the other one keeps oaths. It's all about swords yes. this season. It is a it is a clash of no, a, a storm of swords. It is a storm of swords, yeah. So yeah, fitting so. that swords would uh, make their way into titles, but Oathkeeper, yeah, it's uh again, it's one of those titles that I think kind of mean a number of different things. And uh, we know that uh, going back to the Night's Watch, who's kept their oath, who hasn't, we'll see how that all plays itself out. Because a number of the brothers of the Night's Watch, of course, broke their oath in killing the Lord Commander uh, at Craster's Keep. To put it lightly. <laughs> to put it lightly, yes. And uh, John himself uh, is an oathbreaker, right? Or, Going over or, to the wildlings because he's kind of a double agent. For... He's a double agent, but yes, he's he's broken his oath in the sense that uh, he got down and dirty with the redhead wildling. Uh, uh, so... Yeah, he will take no wives. Oh, too late. But in all fairness, we do, of course, know that uh, members of the Night's Watch make their way over to Molestown uh, to. Uh, to get some. To get some, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not it, – I don't think that's as egregious. Um, but obviously word will spread of the fact that he has killed Corrin Halfhand, uh, and that would definitely be seen as breaking an oath. Well, Corrin asked him to do it. <laughs> well, who knows that <laughs> yeah, besides yeah, yeah. John? Well, I, think, I think with Jon Snow, like um, – I think he is an oath keeper. People on the outside would easily behead him. And this is a point I made when we were watching last season. I said – you know, if John ever shows his face in the Seven Kingdoms, he's in trouble. Um, he could never even like visit his, even if uh, he was going to go help Rob out back when Rob was still alive. Remember when Rob was still alive? Um, you know, he couldn't have really done it because anybody who's anybody, anybody off the street, could easily collect on the debt of his head uh, for having left the wall. Um, and so, Oathbreaker is is not something you want to be. And this episode being titled Oathkeeper. I think will be the redemption of Jon Snow, where he proves uh, his his metal. Um, right. You know, and he, the question he, is, how does he do that? Yeah, no idea. He's got to kill that that jerk up in uh, up in Craster's. And uh, you know, something else that does come to mind under Oathkeeper is uh, you know somebody made a promise to Catelyn Stark before being freed. What might that promise? It would have visited. Uh, involving Sansa. Perhaps. Because the Lannisters pay their debts, which is one way of saying that they keep their promises in a way. Um, but keeping an oath is is something else entirely. But uh, very interesting overall. It's a lot to ponder, especially because for me, I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, not only that, I mean, um, we have Brienne who ha you know promised Catelyn as well that she would see her daughters to safety. Um, and that's really kind of part of her mission in going and exchanging um, Jamie, uh, right? Uh, so we know that they've both arrived at King's Landing uh, by the end of last season. And these titles are always, um, as you mentioned, they're, they're interesting to depict and dissect. And I'm sure we will get the remaining um, six titles before too long and we'll be able to go a little bit deeper into this season. But 
already, you know, from the titles, we can tell that we'll most likely get a wedding very early on. And, uh, there's some stuff to do with swords and, uh, there's some, you know, further development of Tyrion's perhaps storyline as well uh, as as some other characters that we've been looking forward to seeing probably for quite some time. I would say, you know, a lot of a lot of these storylines have not had that level of payoff yet that we've been looking for. They've just kind of been in the background or slowly dragging along, and now we're hopefully going to get the fulfillment of what's been three seasons uh, in some of these cases. Yes, and even though we've only received uh, four titles, uh, something very interesting surfaced that pertains to all ten episodes of season four. We did uh, mention earlier that... uh, the Lion and the Rose, the second episode of season four, was written by George R. R. Martin, uh, and um, that is the only episode of the season that is written by George R. R. Martin. Not the uh, famous episode nine, but I will say that uh, Brian Cogman, our friend uh, who has been on the show uh, previously, or as he likes to call himself sometimes, Ryan. That's his brother. That's he, his brother. He keeps in a closet. Yes, yeah. he must listen to that episode. It's in our. Uh, I think it's in our Hall of Fame section on on the site, or it's one of those notable episodes that pops up uh, when you're viewing our website. Yes, um, but uh, Brian Comgood wrote uh, episode four, uh, which we just discussed, Oathkeeper, as well as episode six. The rest, the remainder, are uh, written by uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. So they were very busy uh, this Hmm. season. I, I think, though, just looking, right, just looking at that series of of 10 episodes and seeing who has written them shows you the importance of this season. Well, I wanted to uh, agree with you and I had to look up previous seasons because you know, I was just thinking, man, the showrunners Benioff and Weiss, they are hand writing every <laughs> you know, I I made it like I built it up in my head I'm like this is a big deal. I looked at season 3 uh for an example and they've also written I think based on the season four information, uh, Benioff and Weiss are writing seven out of the ten episodes. And I'm looking back at season three, and they actually also wrote seven out of the ten um, for that season. So I, I haven't yet looked at – Well, seasons. season three was important too. Season three was very important, <laughs> but I, I'm just – it is it is this huge hands-on effort from these guys who we see in these interviews uh, are very into the adaptation, and they're very close – with George R. R. Martin and he knows and they know what's going to happen. And so I guess I never realized that they were writing every single one of these episodes, either George or David. Uh, Brian wrote uh, Kiss by Fire last season. And um, the only episode not written by Benny Effenweiss or Brian Cogman or George R. R. Martin last season was uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words, the second episode, which was written by Vanessa Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, but this season it's it's George, it's Brian has two, and the rest are DB and DW or DB and DBW, <laughs> DB and DBW. <laughs> so look, I mean, we know the knowledge base that these guys have. All three of them, Brian, David, and Dan, have sat down with George R. R. Martin. They know how it ends, and I think now you're the, the sort of the. I wouldn't call it a problem, right? But I, I think that as you progress further into this series, you're going to need to have the people with the knowledge uh, to write the episodes. You know, it's it's not just a matter anymore of taking what's in the book, 
directly and applying it to the show because you know in season one and maybe even season two you could get away with that but now as you're progressing further into the story you're pulling in things from later books possibly even starting to pull things in as you get into season five from beyond what's already been published you know you have to have the the right people to do that and there's only certain people i think that he would trust that information with and and they're the ones who have been working on this show now uh for the last really since its inception and uh, an interesting fact i know we kind of drew attention away from episode nine this year um because george r R. martin isn't writing it but episode nine will be directed and this is the same information when we got the writers we also got the directors um Episode 9 this season, in season 4, will be directed by Neil Marshall, and he directed Blackwater. That's right. Um, and so – and the other directors this season, Michelle McLaren, um, Alex Graves, and actually DB and DBW direct episode 1 in addition to writing it this season in the premiere, um, Two Swords. So it's, it's, it's nice to see these familiar guys, guys who've worked on important episodes before, or just the show in general, that they found – uh, people, you know, using the same people promotes consistency. Yeah. Um, and I think that the show has such this uh, polished cinematic look um, that and dealing with the huge ensemble cast that only keeps growing. Um, it's really nice to have a handful of people uh, at the helm at all times. Yeah. Is Alex related to Caleb? Uh, yeah, maybe like uh, Uncle. I'll have to ask Caleb about that. Uh, well, in addition to uh, the episode titles as well as who is going to be um, writing, we did get uh, some new promotional material in the form of posters. Yeah. And Sorry, this is always so exciting for me. The official poster. There were some character posters, uh, but the official poster uh, is a three-eyed raven flexing mm. its muscle or spreading its wings uh with the caption all men must die uh and it it actually looks to me like what's kind of shooting out from the raven's wings are a bunch of swords uh yeah they must be because they have hilts you can see uh the hilts this is a very cool image um if i can just begin analyzing it reminds me of the iron throne which has got swords sticking out of the sides but this is obviously it's a raven uh, so it's got swords sticking out of its feathers. It's roughage or foliage or whatever you'd call it. <laughs> foliage. Roughage. It's not a um, tree. Yeah. Well, you know, the terms, I don't know. They sound similar. Rough, roughage. That sounds right. I don't know if it's exactly roughage, right. Rough, 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 His plume? No, he doesn't have a plume. A plume. It would be a feathers. Feathers are plumes. The <laughs> problem that I have with this poster is it's a little bit wintry. Um, we've known that winter's coming for seasons. I know this, but. Uh, to me, it focuses a little much on the wall. I think really if there's a single plot element that is slow burning and unlikely to pay off this season, it would be what's going on with Bran and the White Walkers, which I tie together because it's all the old magic that's coming forward. And so I, I don't like that necessarily that the that, that season four poster is – is about this three-eyed raven, and I find Bran's storyline to be necessarily the weakest. But of all the storylines coming in to season four, it's not one I would think would make the poster um, because it's it's teasing us. It's 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 teasing us to a conflict that is not, from what I understand, with book five being named the Winds of Winter. Um, you know, it's book not six. something that's going to be. Re- oh, that's six. Um, it's not something that's going to be resolved soon. So why focus on the three-eyed raven? Like this would be a cool 
poster for like season six. All right. Well, cl- clearly you have the foresight that the Raven doesn't. So. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that at all. This is just a guess. This is just, you know me. I'm unsullied. Why don't you give your thoughts on it? I think that they've used the Raven a lot, um, in promotional material. And I don't think that they're ever going to, um, you know, really shy away from it. I think it's the pillar of their promotional material and it has been, you know, for a number of seasons. And so I think that they're just finding new and creative ways uh, that they can utilize it. And knowing that book three is called the storm of swords and that you have this, this Raven, uh, you know, opening up its wings and, and underneath is, as you pointed out, almost a iron throne esque version of, of this Raven's body. And I think that um, the Three-Eyed Raven has been important since the first season, since uh, we've seen it in Bran's dreams. And mm. interesting to see how that storyline continues to develop for Bran. We know that Bran is making his way beyond the wall. Uh, and as we've touched on a number of times on this podcast, uh, we know that Bran's storyline really uh, is very brief in in Storm of Swords and non-existent in A Feast for Crows and then returns in A Dance with Dragons. So there's obviously a lot of his storyline that is now being pulled in earlier uh, than what a reader would normally experience. Not spoiling anything, of course, here about what happens with his storyline, but just that, you know, it's being moved up um, because that's the only option right now. You can't leave a character like Bran for, let's say, a season or two and then come back to him. I just don't think that that would work. Uh, not only him, but those that are with him, the Reeds and Hodor, um, and, as well as, as Summer. So, uh, I like the, uh, the Raven. I think it's cool. Uh, I think that, uh, it's, it's a reminder, right? That, uh, there's still sort of this, supernatural element to the series as if we've forgotten that uh, with <laughs> with the White Walkers and the dragons and really everything that's come to life over the course of the last uh, two seasons. So uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm really excited about the character posters. Uh, there's 18 of them. And, uh, you know, interesting that we get the the English translation, of, uh, you know, on the, the Raven poster, but on the actual character poster, we get the words uh, Valar Margulis, which, of course, translates into All Men Must Die. Oh, well, there you go. And we hear, you know, Arya say it uh, in, in the trailer, and then she starts her, her mantra of all the people she wants to kill. But these character posters are awesome, um, and most likely characters get them uh, that did not previously... Uh, have them. I'm looking forward to seeing some of these posters go up around the city uh, here in New York. They did last year uh, on buses and billboards and other places, and uh, that's going to be cool to see some of these new characters, of course, uh, getting their their much dude FaceTime, much deserved <laughs> FaceTime. I well, say. Yeah, I'm excited though. In addition to the new characters, which are always exciting, I like seeing new material for characters that have been periphery in the past. There's Littlefinger has his own poster. Um, the Hound even um, really has, has, I think, probably my favorite poster. Um, you do see Marguerite, um, which is nice. You see Joffrey, bless him. Uh, Jon Snow, hair in front of the face. And, and, and Jamie, I, I think I don't think I'll ever forgive his haircut, but... Um, still, whatever. It's, 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 <laughs> Why do you care? It's there. There's no reason for him to. Oh, right, right. It's just, it takes me out of it. It's too. It's too modern. But well, uh, they, really, Stannis's um, 
well, Melisandre has her own. And, and so this gives me hope, uh, similarly to the trailer where I believe she said like, we're not dead yet or something like that. Yeah. Um, that she will have a plot. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to it. It's, it's a lot to digest really 18. Well, it, it is weird. It's just the way that they're laid out here on the webpage, but having Arya and Bran, they look like they're the same person. <laughs> no, no disrespect yeah, you at know all. What? That is look- really good casting. It's kind of like, uh, what they say about the Potter cast, right? Years later that they ended up being very photogenic and attractive because you never know what you're going to get. Um, later on, you know, I, I think that, uh, Arya and Bran actor and actress and Maisie and, uh, Isaac. Actor, yeah. Look, uh, very similar and you have about the same hairstyle. You're right. Yep. It's uh, just good casting. It's really, really good casting. You know, to your point, Bran can't get a haircut behind the wall. I mean, or beyond the wall. Right. There's at no... least Jamie could get one in King's Landing, Eric. Yeah. Don't know why. You do get to. some, uh, some new characters, right? In the, in the Red Viper. Um, Oberyn Martell, who has uh, his own poster, and then a recast Dario Naharis. That's who I didn't understand. It to uh, be. So they they did recast that part. Um, I believe we talked about it uh, probably several months ago at this point. Um, but uh, yes, he is of course um, with uh, Danny and uh, Sir Jorah, and uh, these posters just look really cool. I mean, everybody is extremely, extremely serious, uh, with the exception of Melisandre, who looks to be smiling a little bit. <laughs> I don't I don't see anybody else. Uh, Arya has a little bit of a smirk on her face, but uh, other than that, uh, you know what? As I keep going through, uh, the Red Viper does as well. So Man. very, very few kind of jovial looks, all very serious uh Look like they're ready for uh, some fighting. I'd like to see them in public play. You're right. New York does that a lot more than Chicago does, and I'm sure L.A. does as well. The in-your-face marketing, you know, uh, yes. or in, you know, across bridges and in streets. And, of course, we showed the, the one photo of London uh, we talked about last time where they designed a street to be looking like you're walking atop the wall uh, from a certain perspective. So stuff like that's always – very exciting to see uh, for for marketing for these shows that we were already going to watch. I, I actually walked by the uh, the HBO store. Is it? Uh, I can't remember when it was. It was earlier this week. I just can't remember what day it was. And and of course they already have their their store decked out um, for season four Game of Thrones. So uh, you know you do see a lot more of that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there'll be some interesting marketing ideas uh, that that we are uh, you know given a look into uh, as we get closer to April 6th. So it's amazing that uh, we are closing in on being a month away from season four. And uh, I'm excited about it. I know you're excited about it. We touched on this book very, very briefly, The Winds of Winter, um, in one of our earlier discussions. And I think it, for those who are sullied, we're not, we're not going to uh, say anything here that's going to, uh, reveal any information. But for those who have read, you know, through book five, there are a number of chapters, uh, that have been released slash read from by George R.R. R. Martin online. For those of you who maybe don't know about that, you can certainly check that out. But big news story that, uh, broke this past week was in fact a, new excerpt from the winds of winter was released and uh it's a very very short uh couple of sentences and uh (laughs) it it was released exclusively by entertainment weekly but uh it's important to know that while this is a very very short 
excerpt. I think it's doing it more justice than necessary by calling it a paragraph, but if we want to do that, we can. The full um, chapter will actually be released later this month on George R. R. Martin's A World of Ice and Fire app. Um, and you're also going to get many new character and location descriptions uh, as well as this entire chapter. So I'm, for those who are sullied and, and are interested in that, I know there are probably people who have read this far that, hey, you know what? I want to read it only when the book comes out. I don't want to know about any new characters. I want to experience it for myself. Same with the locations. But, you know, for those who just can't wait, it's going to be something that uh, fans are really going to enjoy. I'm really excited for that. I want to know new characters, new descriptions, and I want to read this point of view char- character chapter because it's it's a good one. And I do not want to know who's still alive come book six. Yeah, so, uh, well, like I said, this is just for people who have read. This is not um, for those who we consider to be unsullied on this show. But the hope, I will say, is that knowing that this information is now going to be released, that maybe, just maybe, um, in the not-too-distant future, we can also get a release date. Um, for this sixth book. Certainly hope so. One can hope. That's kind of the uh, the big news that is taking place over the last week or so. And uh, I know, though, that uh, given the nature of our podcast, we're always about fun things. And um, Eric, there's this great article on BuzzFeed. I shared it with a number of people, and it was posted on winterscoming.net. And it shows several, uh, I think it's actually 14 of the most brutal death scenes as 8-bit GIFs or GIFs. I I never know how to say it. GIF, 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 Joff, GIF, Well, a little story on that. The man who invented the graphic image format apparently settled this by saying that it's called GIFs. GIF, uh, okay. Which I hate. Like like the peanut butter. Like the peanut butter, even though it's graphic. Guh, guh graphic image format but whatever um these animations are the reason you should go on the internet today <laughs> they are <laughs> for, they for are no really other reason amazing we will include uh, the link in the show notes um it is as you say 14 brutal deaths really as if you're playing an old say zelda game or it feels like a, a, a video game that you would see in animation old school though uh, as it is an 8-bit. And I think it's really well done. I, I really would like to play this game <laughs> if it exists, and it should. But in the meantime, we have these scenes. And so everything from Daenerys uh, burning... Krasnus. Yeah, yeah. burning Krasnus, um, to Sam's defeat of the White Walker, the Battle of Blackwater, Ned's beheading. I thought uh, Sir Roderick's was very S- funny. Sir Roderick, when Theon fails to chop a head off on the first blow. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's all there, and the animation is is very clever and very uh, true to not just the show, but to the, the spirit of the mood of um, what ends up happening. And so yeah. Antonia Heslop, who illustrated these uh, specifically for BuzzFeed, from what I gather, yes, all of them are. Antonia, you get my own uh, for this past week in game of thrones news just an amazing job and it just goes to show you the creativity of people who are fans of the series and the fact that you know this is the kind of stuff that we enjoy seeing and sharing and talking with all of you about so i would say if you have a favorite of those 14 definitely let us know and uh, tell us why 
uh, why why it gets your own, and and we will share it on um, an episode later on this week. Yes, and transitioning a little bit away from news, I set you up. I set you up. You know, I, people can share stuff, and that's where we're going, right? That is where we're going. And before we get to some of the other things that our wonderful listeners have shared with us, we would like to share information with you as to where you can get the tales of dunk and egg ever since we started uh two episodes ago going through the hedge night and even before then when we were promoting it and saying hey we're gonna do this um people have been asking how can we get this story um because apparently the books are out of print or the story the hedge night is out of print um, let me assure you that there are methods. This is not the case. It is not gone forever. And certainly, uh, we would have shared this information sooner if we knew it was going to be that difficult, uh, to find the stories. But in particular, the volume one of The Hedge Knight, uh, just to let everybody know, does appear, and we mentioned this going in, it appears in a, a compilation book of short novels, and it's called Legends, Short Novels by the Masters of Modern Fantasy. And so if I'm on just regular Amazon here, and I looked up The Hedge Knight first, and there's this book of The Hedge Knight, which is uh, collectors, and it's like $140 is like the only option under Hedge Knight. But if you search for this book, Legends, Short Novels by the Masters of Modern Fantasy, um, it's available on the Kindle for $7.99 and paperback for $14.66. And this, this volume includes... The Hedge Knight by George R. R. Martin, as well as stories by Terry and Lynn Pratchett, Terry Goodkind, Orson Scott Card, who I enjoy, Ursula Le Guin, and uh, Tad Williams and Anne McCaffrey, and Raymond D. Feist. Never forget Raymond D. Feist. But that's that's the thing, is that The Hedge Knight, uh, you can get it as part of this larger collection for like $100 less. Um, so why would you not? But just so you're aware, that that is how um, we recommend getting it um because you do save a lot of money and people were asking there is a graphic novel uh version that has been released but you know i couldn't attest as to how accurate or how close to the, to the books i'm sure they're great um but in terms of going through the books and reading for plot uh we're reading the text versions and so uh if you guys are interested still interested in joining us as we you know, finish up Hedge Knight One. And I think that's a great uh, segue uh, to talking about uh, some of the feedback that we did get on um, Facebook and Twitter. That was not necessarily directly related to where they could find getting the the, the um, Hedge Knight, but they did give us some feedback on the actual book. Yes, Kurt Pop says, "I gotta say, I had been putting off reading the novellas. I don't know why." I guess I just wasn't motivated to learn about a whole new set of characters. Trust me, Kurt. I feel you. But your peer pressure worked. <laughs> and I started reading. And I loved it. I couldn't put it down, and I had read all three Dunk and Egg Tales in two days. Now, I am not only waiting for Winds of Winter, but also more Tales of Dunk and Egg. Hurry up, George. Put that pen to paper. You can't be one of those people, Kurt. No, I'm just joking. Uh, oh. Obviously, we've we've talked about uh, previously on the show. There's a there's an enormous amount of pressure. It seems to be uh, from some fans on George R. R. Martin. I know Kurt's just joking around. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I agree. I'm sure there's a lot of pen that's been put to paper, but it's just a matter of getting it uh, published and and edited, you know, arranged, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So 
But no, but that's great to hear uh, that uh, Kurt was, uh, you know, someone on the fence about doing this, and then he picked it up, and now he's read all three. He's way farther along than than anybody on this show is. Uh, so uh, well, we're is, taking, we're keeping a pace with. He's the massively sullied because clearly he's read uh, all five books too. So um, he's uh, much more immersed into things, uh, at least right now, than we are. But uh, yeah, we are taking our time with these. Uh, we, we will make our way through. Uh, these uh, these shorter stories uh, in time, but uh, as happened uh, with this episode, with this week, and you know, we got a lot of uh, big news. Mm-hmm. There's more to come. Yeah, and um, just another thought I had uh, based on Kurt's response, but Kurt seems to have had no trouble whatsoever um, picking them up. Uh, check local libraries, and this was uh, an advice. Uh, this was advice that was given on our, I think our Facebook wall as well. Uh, local libraries, either for the Hedge Knight, if they have the separate book that was, I think, eventually, you know, put out, um, currently out of print, or the Legends book. You may be surprised what you find. But as you say, uh, more people had more feedback about the Hedge Knight, uh, including via email. We got an email from Susan Stacy, who says, I'm enjoying your genuine enthusiasm at reading the Hedge Knight. One thing I really love about Dunk is how often he reflects on the words of his Sir Arlen of Pennytree, he has such a true respect for the old man, the kind of legacy anyone could be proud of. Yeah, it at times it often reminds me of how certain characters reflect on Ned. Mm. It's it's that same kind of parallel with with Sir Arlen and and Dunk and yeah, it's it, you could tell that he did have a a high level of respect for um his his old uh, master and uh we see that uh, a number of times throughout uh, this short story and I'm sure you know, as we read on uh, there'll be more moments like that as well definitely and uh, Uric wrote us in and just had more clarification this is for us I believe we talked about it for a little bit um, just here is an articulated version of what a hedge knight is from Uric uh, Martin sometimes refers to them as unlanded knights they are not a member of any lord's family and have no castle keep or lands therefore they are more likely to be sleeping under a hedge than inside a castle the term is meant to be derogatory coming from those who are high-born high-born sons almost always become knights as long as they are physically capable while in low-born boys chances are much smaller and are only going to be knighted if they prove themselves in battle as many were after the battle of blackwater or if they are lucky enough to be taken on as a squire by another knight which Dunk was by Sir Arlen of Pennytree. So hedge knights, more likely to be sleeping under hedges, or in Dunk's case, under a field and a shooting star, than they are in a castle. Yeah, we talked about this on the last episode, um, how after Blackwater, uh, having just read it uh, you know, not that long ago, that all these knights, or I shouldn't call them knights, all these um, soldiers, for lack of a better term, were knighted. You know, um, there's that big, a grand scene where you know Joffrey is is you know effectively or Tywin even knighting all these different uh, men for their service in Blackwater. So uh, it it you know it, it raised the question, of course. Uh, well, what does it really take to be a knight? Then if if but you know as Eric points out here, you're of course being commended for your service. Whereas it's it's really hard to know up until this point what. Dunk has done to to be considered a knight. You, you, there's no sort of history there. There's no sort of event that you can point to and say, "Well, look at what he did." There's really no checks and balances. 
in the whole system. So really, I, I mean, he's looking to prove himself in this tournament, um, but he has to be a knight in order to um, to compete. So it's a little bit ass backwards. Um, you know, you could see him being knighted for competing in such a tournament, uh, and of course being the champion. But if you're already going into it, considering yourself a knight, then what's the point? And you have to be. And you have to be. So, yeah. So that's why I said it's a little bit odd, but. Nonetheless, um, yeah, we will look to, of course, finish up uh, this first short story um, later on in the week. They call it short, but there's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. Uh, we, we, we um, you know, could probably do several more episodes about we it. Surprised even ourselves with the yeah. length of it. I think we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, if, like Yurik and uh, Susan, you like to leave us messages that uh, are longer in nature, longer than 140 characters, which uh, Eric is about to get to, you can do so um, by emailing us at contact at gameofbones.com, or there are other options like Kurt did on Facebook. Scroll upon our wall at facebook.com slash gameofbones. And now we take it to the tweet deck. Tweet deck. I've oddly noticed that Every show now, news reports and everything else has like a tweet deck segment where it just focuses on what people are tweeting. It seems a bit <laughs> juvenile to me, um, but that's just where the world is now, so it makes sense. Anyway, our tweet deck has a little bit of mess on it. You know, the, the Ravens have been in here. Regardless, we still have feedback. In response to the Season 4 posters, which we talked about a little bit here, uh, Shane King said to us, I think they all look gorgeous. Wish ribs, rib, <laughs> wish Rob Stark was still on. I would agree. Uh, good looking dude, Rob Stark, and he always seemed to, well, he did his duty. He really followed in Ned's footsteps really well, uh, except for that whole breaking an oath part. And, uh, yeah, never mind. He actually wasn't that good, but, uh, yeah, cool, cool enough guy. And, uh, I agree. He will be missed. I look forward to seeing what the actor does in the future. Yeah. So, um, of course, you know, let us know what you think about, the episode titles about which is your favorite character poster and um, we'll share all your responses uh, later on in the week. And listeners of this show will know uh, that we have a particular sigil uh, for our show. We have mascots, uh, as it were, three of them. Uh, only one has never been properly introduced in the show, but uh, the bear, uh, Winter Boo, and the camel, Winter Coo, which we often bring up in these moments of lightheartedness, uh, Kendra Griffey sent us, uh, or actually forwarded to us, uh, a picture that was uh, tweeted by EarthPix, and it is Camels in Broome, Australia, photo by Shahar Kiren. And this has to be the most beautiful shot of camels that I have ever seen. Um, it is yes. mesmerizing. It's camels on a horizon on what appears to be shallow water or like a beach of some sorts yeah, with clouds in the sky and a sunset. So this, this, this image is, is quite something and yeah. it takes so my breath away. Yeah. You know, we always enjoy getting this kind of stuff, um, you know, related to, as you said, our house sigil and, uh, well, camels are, the other thing is camels are kind of awkward too. So you're like, they well, are, let's look at like, they're a really extremely cool, awkward. Yeah. It's, it's part of the, the charm, whatever you want. And if you can do it in 140 characters or less tweet at us at game of owns and uh, we will share that as well. So uh, I would get to some iTunes reviews, but uh, we don't have any uh, for the month of March yet. <laughs> it is a new month, you know, just uh, the uh, the third day, um, as you're probably listening to this show, of the month of March. So 
Uh, we are uh, anticipating, of course, many, many more reviews. And uh, as mentioned on the show previously, this is a great way for listeners who are who might be searching for um, you know something to put in their ear holes and they're fans of either Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones on HBO and they just want to listen to what some other fans have to say. Uh, it's just a great way to continue to build the community and you can go and, and leave us as much, you know, feedback as you'd like. Um, but note that in the month of March, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We will have to postpone a threat for now. We now have two swords. That's all the threat that you need. There you go. I was going to say perhaps we need to threaten um, if there are no uh, reviews yet for March. But like I said, it's only a couple days in and uh, we will uh, we'll be monitoring our iTunes uh, rate and review board and uh, share some of those later on in the week as well. Of course, winneriscoming.net, your one-stop source for all Game of Thrones news as we shared many stories um, earlier on in the episode that we took right from there. And so uh, you're comments on our podcast post. Uh, we will sift through those as well. Um, we're always interested in what you all have to say. And uh, we do read, by the way, mm. just just as a, just as a slight uh, notification there, we do read what you have to say. And sometimes it's interesting. Yeah. I think uh, that about does it for this 199th episode of Game of Owns, which means only one thing. David Heyman is coming on the next show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a little inside joke. If you were not a listener of one of our prior podcasts. You just want to admit defeat now, Mecca? Yes. Yes. <laughs> always. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, the producer of the Harry Potter films, David Heyman, was on our 200th episode of MuggleCast, uh, which is a show Eric and I did together many, many years ago. Oh. And uh, so we will uh, cook some things up here in the next couple of days heading into our 200th episode. It's amazing. Um, Bicentennial, you know, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. You know, I think it's only appropriate to kind of wrap up this show by thanking all the people who listen to us. I mean, you know, it is is no small achievement um, to reach 200 episodes, and it all has to do with the people who listen to this show because if there wasn't anybody who listened, well, Eric would still be talking, but not to the the same extent, right? As, it's, it's true. Uh, as be now. Awfully, uh, I'd be having a conversation with myself and it would lose something, just a little something. It would, yeah, it would be lacking something. We're not, we're not sure what it is, but uh, the uh, the strings are slowly starting to play, which means that uh, this show is coming to a close. And uh, again, uh, thank you for 199 episodes of, of listening to what myself, Zach, Eric, Selena, and Sam have had to say it's it's been a lot of fun and we're looking forward to many many more we will see you guys later this week take good care and stay gooey that is eric skull that was my contender and we will see you all on wednesday take good care or not or not keep your sword carry a big stick <laughs>